What up, Metal Maniacs? You've got George. You've got Tom. And you've got Greg. You've got, you've got another, another podcast, podcast coming. Yet again, we've got another cool guest. I'm just going to turn it over to you right away so you can introduce yourself. What up, Greg? What's up, Priestaholics, Metal Maniacs, Jugulators, I guess. Nice. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> My name is Greg DePasquale, and I am a fan of Judas Priest, and also I am a guitarist in Shadow Kingdom Records recording artist, Fatal Curse. And also, husband, father, yeah, times father <laughs> with our uh, buddies on Maiden A to Z. That's correct. Absolutely, I, um, I'm a big fan of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, and um, anytime I get an opportunity to uh, interact with the ones that I enjoy and listen to as often as possible, I am going to jump ass backwards into some sort of insane Lucia Libre move to uh, to be a part of it. Hell yeah. Well, listen, Greg, welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you here. We're looking forward to this. I'm happy to be had. Mm. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, gentlemen. What are you drinking over there, Greg? I am drinking a uh, Genesee Brewery Bring Bach. Ooh, very nice. Tell us a little bit about that. It's in Rochester, New York, so it's sure. about maybe 70 minutes from where I live here in Buffalo, New York. And uh, Springbok is a seasonal brew. It's made from January to March every year. And Ooh, uh, love it. I, I buy enough of it to carry me to May <laughs> every year. So Sweet. <laughs> Good stuff. It's just, enough time, it's just enough time to be without it. Yeah. You know, I like, for six I'll... or seven months. So by the time it comes back around, I'm like... <sighs> Shit, man! I've I'm been wa- for it again. Yeah. I've been waiting like six or seven years for my favorite beer to come back. So I think you, you I, I would consider myself Jeez. lucky in those circumstances. I mean, I actually have, I, I, I have a change of pace. I have wine tonight. I've got I can't I've, do wine. Ah, uh, see, can't my do it. My wife turned me on to red wine years ago. This is a Murphy Goodies Red Blend. It's got notes of um. Oh my god, I'm gonna sound like such a snob. It's got notes of cherry, raspberry, and blueberry. It's delicious. You could have told me it was Sam Goody beer or Sam Goody wine. I would have had no difference. <laughs> I, I know nothing about wine. I'm, I should. I'm Italian, so I guess I'm genetically predisposed to like it. But like, I just can't <laughs> fucking hang with it. Nothing to worry I drink about. Red wine. I drink red wine, and I feel like someone was sitting on my head all night. Oh yeah, you, you get those like you get those pretty severe wine hangovers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sucks. I just can't yeah. hang with it. Yeah. It's all good, brother. Listen, alcohol is yeah. alcohol. It doesn't matter what you're drinking. And you sound like you got a pretty fucking solid brew going on right now. Oh, I sure do. And I'm going to have a few of them. All right. It's I love Friday. it. You know, we're at the end of the work week. It's, Hell yeah, uh, man. Time to just kind of cut loose, talk metal, drink love beers, it. you know? On yeah. that note, George, before we begin, what do you got tonight? Oh, hell yeah, dude. I'm drinking something local from the Half Full Brewery. 
and I say local, I'm talking like it, I could get in my car and be there in five minutes. Oh, like down the block local. <laughs> yeah, they're in Stamford, Connecticut, and this is called the Pacific Street, and all their beers are named after a specific street in town, which is hey. That's just a clever name. <laughs> this one is a pastry stout, so it's dark, but it has a sweetness to it too. Definitely a good after dinner beer. Oh, that nice little, like kind of like a dessert beer almost. Yes, sir. Yeah. Greg, was that a Wayne's World reference that you just threw out right there? Of course it is. Yes. Oh, that was uh, that was awesome, dude. Very nice. I knew we liked you for a reason, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna be full of all sorts of uh, cliche ridiculousness. So I hope you're ready for it, uh, dude. I live for cliche ridiculousness. Ready or not, we're already on the Zoom. So here That's we go. Right. Yeah. There mm. it is. Come whatever may. Exactly. All right. So we kick it off by telling us a little bit about your band. Yeah, I'm in a band called Fatal Curse, as I said before. Uh, the band is primarily based out of Moravia, New York, which is this really small town between Syracuse and Ithaca. Mm-hmm. At least that's where the, the majority of the band is. I live in Buffalo, New York, as I said before as well. It's about maybe two and a half hours away. Um, so basically, we've got this really you know interesting arrangement where, you know, well, I should say it was interesting before kind of the world turned the way it did for now two years. We haven't played since December. I, I still talk to these guys, you know, but we really haven't been able just because, of, you know, everything is awkward and weird. You know, it's like if there was, you know, depending on, you know, how sick people are at certain times. And it's just like, you know, everyone's kind of in this weird space. And I, I still talk to these guys all the time, but we really haven't been able to jam in a while, which is unfortunate because right before things you know, kind of broke down. We, we were really, we were really moving, you know, we were playing gigs that were fucking hot and, you know, we were really starting to really get ready for album number two and everything kind of just like, you know, I mean, we're really no different from really any other band that got bit in the ass by this. So, you know, it's like, you know, you just kind of take it as it is and, you know, and we're going to get back onto it at some point, you know, those guys live in the same town. So they've been, you know, jamming on and off kind of since this thing started and we still talk and we're still up to date with stuff. And at some point, you know, probably sooner rather than later, I think in the next few months, we're going to reconvene and I want to contribute as much as possible, but I don't need to be, you know, the alpha contributor anymore. You know, like I don't need to, I don't need that, you know, especially since, you know, I joined this band, they had already been together for, for a few years and they had already known each other the other three guys they've known each other like for probably 15 20 years you know they all grew up together and shit and we're all of a of a like mindset which is why it's such a great it's personally great for me the the lineup that we have because we all come from a similar background musically like we all come from heavier bands like we have all got death metal in our background, we all got thrash and grind and all that shit. You know, we, we come from a heavier background, but so there's really no desire to like go back to that stuff. So we've really been able to kind of fit in like this really pure vision of what the sound is like very, very pure old school metal. And I, I, I like that there's that consistency, that there's that mindset of, well, this is what it is and we know how to make what it is. And so because there's that purity to it. 
I really have no desire to come in and really mess with it, I guess. Like I'm more than happy to just maybe write a song, maybe two, contribute a riff here or there um, and play leads, you know, because I, I feel like the, the main writer, Dave, the other guitarist, he's, you know, kind of the sound of the band. And he's, you know, as far as like from a songwriting perspective, he's kind of got what he likes. And I don't really want to detract from that because I know if I just start throwing in like the way I do things or the way I, or my influences, it's, it might kind of uh, dilute the booze, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, it might water it down, you know, to a degree or at least confuse the thing. Those guys are very much old school, new wave of British heavy metal. That's the sauce of the sound. I love that stuff. Obviously, I, if I didn't, I wouldn't be in the band. But, you know, I'm more of a American classic metal kind of thing. Like, I'm really into, like, a lot of, like, maybe, you know, there's a huge difference between American power metal and Euro power metal. You know, like, I'm way more into, like, american side of power metal things from the 80s which was a lot riffier stuff like sabotage you know metal church you know sanctuary that's not maybe not power metal but but heavier heavy metal and i don't know if throwing that kind of stuff in too much into the sound of the band would really behoove it i think some of it in there would would be cool and some of it will be in there but like i'm more than happy just to kind of be a contributing member member and not so much just like i have to write five songs and i have to have this this no nah, it's not like that i wouldn't want to fuck up the works you know it's the the lineup is great all the dudes in the band are just killer at what they do yeah the last thing i want to be is the dude that fucks it all up <laughs> especially since i haven't you know i haven't been to band practice in like two years so <laughs> 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 yeah, and you know, the first album that Fatal Curse did, Breaking the Trance, it seems like it has a very consistent, very defined sound, you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's got yeah. a lot of the speedy tracks on it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm hearing some Diamond Head, Exciter, some mm -hmm. Angel Witch. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leaning towards that sort of speedier end of New Wave of British mm -hmm. Heavy Metal. And it seems like they've mm -hmm. sort of found that niche and they're just really pounding yeah. away at it. Yeah, luckily, you know, I was I was able to uh, to catch on to it. You know, luckily, I, you know, I, I knew 
I knew Dave, the other guitarist. I've known him for a while, probably uh, maybe 10 or 11 years at least. The Bowen brothers, I, I didn't meet them until just prior to me joining the band. But because I knew Dave, you know, we kept in touch over the years. Our old death metal bands used to play together when we were in death metal bands. Nice. So we kept in touch. And, and when they were doing the record, he was like, do you want to play? Do you want to do some session leads? I, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. And so I ended up, ended up playing lead on half the songs. Well, yeah, I did leads on three songs on the record. It was awesome. And it just, I I never, ever thought that we would be able to work out just because, you know, two and a half hours is not like a ginormous distance. But, you know, when you got jobs and kids and life priorities, you know, getting out to Moravia two and a half hours away, if you think about it, it's like a, it's five hours of driving there back. And then you got to figure, well, you're not going to drive all the way up there just to jam for an hour. You know, so you got jam for three, four hours or whatever. And then so it's like an investment of of time and stuff like that. But about maybe six months after the record came out, they ended up playing in Buffalo. And I was like, hey, while you guys are here, do you want me to bring my shit? And I'll learn the songs that I played on the record. I'll play one of your covers that you guys do, which was I Want to Be Somebody by Wasp. Nice. And uh, like, do you guys want to just play all the shit that that I didn't play on the first part of the set and I'll throw my shit on stage and I'll play the last half of the set. And they're like, yeah. And so we did that. And just, it was, I think they were probably a little nervous considering we, I never ever jammed with them ever. And they just trusted me. Well, Dave, I think thought he was confident, but the other two dudes, they'd only met me one time ever before. And I don't, I'm sure they were probably a little like, well, how's this going to work? This guy's never jammed with us ever. But not to pull an Aaron Anderson, I guess, not to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. I'm almost 40. I've been playing guitar for quite some time. And, you know, luckily I was able to put a keen or good enough ear to just be able to figure it out. And by the time I got up on stage, you know, I, I feel like I nailed that shit. We sounded fucking great. There's a difference between yeah. tooting your own horn and then like giving yourself credit where it's due, to be fair. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't just. I didn't just show up there. I mean, I, I, I worked really hard, you know, to learn the shit before we got there. I mean, I practiced the shit like along with the album, like I was jamming with the dudes in the band practice space, you know? So I showed up and I was ready to go. I was ready to fucking rock and roll. But it was one of those moments where like afterwards, I thought it was going to be good. I don't know what they thought, but like for me, it was like really good. I was sounds like there's really good chemistry between the members of the band. I couldn't imagine us being on more of a same page. I, I think it's because we have a similar background. We come from more extreme styles of music. I mean, we don't like every band the same. A couple of those guys are into like Manowar and shit or no, actually, no, no, no. That's one of the reasons why I knew we were going to be cool because they don't like Manowar. <laughs> and I don't like Manowar either. <laughs> That's yeah, right. That's what I, was, yeah. I like yeah. a song by Man of War because it's funny. It's Black Wind, Fire and Steel. And I think it's 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 funny because it's like 
kind of spinal tap in a way where it's just it's so over the top and ridiculous that I actually mm-hmm. kind of admire it. I'm going well, to that's tell the you nicest thing I've heard reasons- someone say about man war. <laughs> <laughs> Was I too generous? Re- I'm sorry. I mean, it's hey, generosity is a virtue, you know, in some instances. And and I think <laughs> that one of my biggest beasts of man war is number one. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter how ridiculous they look, you know, I mean, the music is, it's either there or isn't. And for me, it's, I would say out of, I don't know how many songs they've recorded or put out in their career, but so much of it is just hokey and watered down. And there's a couple of the ballads they I've heard from them. I dig and a couple of their faster songs from them. I dig, but to me, a lot of it is just like, just crap, you know, to me, like super cheap. Yeah, one of my bigger well, and that's the thing. Super cheese is, I can hang with super cheese, but like too much you know, cheese. It's just like, nah, man. It's like moldy cheese. It's like shit. Uh, it's like Velveeta. It's, like, you know, it's like Velveeta cheese, dude. I don't know. I you know that's the thing though. I can make Velveeta. I could spice up Velveeta and make it quality. Manowar couldn't do shit with <laughs> one of my bigger gripes of Manowar, and it's kind of more of a perceptive thing, or at least how that's like when I first heard of them. To me, they were like they are the kings of metal and like they are just like they're all that is metal and like then i heard them and i was like this shit sucks this isn't even fucking this isn't good at all like and to me like they are like to me priest is like when i think of heavy metal and you want to think of like the the package of, of what heavy metal is as far as like the presentation you know all the classic heavy metal tropes that you want to lay out there to me, that's Judas Priest. Greg, Just that's a further. That's the album Painkiller. Yes, I was gonna yeah. say, Greg. Yeah. So that's a fantastic segue. So one of the questions I always like asking our guests was, "What was your first exposure to Judas Priest? What was the first time you heard them? And what were your first impressions?" I liked them right right away, but it wasn't like like a. a like for me, Van Halen was a lightning bolt moment for me. Okay. Like, cause like, that's what made me want to start playing guitar, mm. you know? So, but like, so I remember the first time, like, I remember when I first heard eruption, you know? So I remember that I could tell you the month, the year and where I was sitting when I first heard that, you know, but like priest, it was more like I heard it on the radio station and I was probably 10 or 11 maybe. And that, and that might coincide with the, the beginning of Beavis and Butthead. You know, because breaking the law was on there too. That might have something oh, to do with it. But yeah, washing the dog. Heard, washing the dog. <laughs> that's right. I think I might. Have, I think I heard the song first on the radio station, and then shortly thereafter saw the Beavis and Butthead episode. So I think that would probably be my my initiation. And then then I heard, you know, the radio station. It, it wasn't like a deep cut radio. So like you wouldn't hear like all guns blazing or anything like that. Yeah, you of course. Breaking the law, living after midnight, heading out to the highway. Um, you got another thing coming. You would hear those songs and that's, they would just play because they're bigger songs. Basically. Yeah, of course. Those and are I great guess, songs to introduce you. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Because you could kind of sum up the idea of, of what their general identity is, you know, from those songs. I mean, there's definitely more to it than just that. But it's not like you could listen to those four or five songs and think, hmm, I wonder what this band's about. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you get it. It's not like you would listen to those four or five songs and then listen to 
the entire, you know, defenders of the faith album and just be like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting this. This isn't what I was signed up for. Like, there's no, there were no surprises, you know, like, you know, so. And then after that, um, first record I got would have been British Steel. Mm. And I have an aunt who was really, really supportive because at this point I had already started playing guitar and she was real supportive of like um, artistic stuff. And, my, and she's actually a nun, too. <laughs> and so so she t- would take me to like the local record store and she would just get me like she she she's awesome. She's not a conventional nun. Like she doesn't like wear the thing. She never has. She's never yeah. done that thing. But like she's Sounds like, you got, like a really cool aunt. Yeah, yeah, she bought me British Steel. She bought me Diary of a Madman by Ozzy Osbourne. Ooh, classic. Um, yes. So, I mean, she was super supportive and she bought me British Steel. And then I don't remember. Judas <laughs> Priest, are they a religious band? Did she ever <laughs> ask you that? <laughs> oh, no, no. She knew. She knew. She's got um, uh, nephews uh, as well that are old, way older than me that grew up in like the 80s and like there were in the 70s so she knew like <laughs> she knew that she wasn't going to be here in judas priest at church or anything like that she was yeah, of course she she was definitely she was not clueless she knew she knew what i what she was buying me and she knew what i wanted to be bought for me you know yeah. and so she just trusted me that you know i wasn't gonna go fucking like cats on fire or whatever the fuck you know so. yeah whatever other <laughs> ridiculous stereotype yeah, about metalheads people believe yeah exactly of course and uh stereotypes who are we kidding right <laughs> yeah we, we like cats on fire all the time totally man like if you go <laughs> to a metal show and they're not sacrificing a goat are you really at a metal show no i've never once come home from a metal show not completely soaked in blood from another human or animal <laughs> totally dude yeah so oddly enough her brother my uncle ended up buying me uh stained class a couple years later mm. so so that was cool. Metal was evolutionary for me. Mm. I very much evolved in my pursuit of the genre. I evolved probably like someone would have evolved had they got into heavier music in like 1977 or 78. Cause I started with Van Halen. That was my, like, that was my gateway drug into like harder music, Van Halen. And I was 10, nine or 10 when that happened. So, and I kind of, my interest in, in metal and, and hard music or extreme music, it evolved like it would have been, like I said, had I started listening to it, like what, like if I had started the day Van Halen one came out, you know, like I evolved, I went from Van Halen and kiss and Def Leppard to, you know, Iron Maiden and priest and Metallica and then Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax. And then it was Testament and Exodus and dark angel and creator. And then there was death and then it was napalm death. And then it was cannibal corpse. And then it was, you know, I mean, good God, at that point you've already crossed the gates of the underground. And then there's a, you know, endless layers from there. And then next thing you know, you're, you're in black metal land and you're listening to mayhem and emperor. And then, then it's at that point you're just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to rabbit, the underground. Yeah, that yeah. rabbit hole does not have a bottom. You just keep going no, from there, man. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't. Like, doesn't. like the more you explore, it's just the more cavernous it becomes. Yeah, 
exactly. Yeah, man, and, that's and pretty so, cool. Yeah. And that's not really so dissimilar to how I got into metal. I mean, I've told the story about how my father just walked into my room with a big box and plopped it down. And he's like, here's all my old CDs. I just found them. Here you go. And I was listening to Van Halen one. I was listening to Zeppelin four back in black. And then once I got uh, some Christmas money, I started buying up Slayer and Megadeth and Metallica Mm -hmm. and shit like that. And then fast forward a few years later and I'm rocking out to Cannibal Corpse and Suffocation. It's kind of interesting how we have that same sort of trajectory as metalheads going from like the earlier, more approachable stuff, gradually inching towards the heavier stuff. And then before you know it, you find yourself just banging your head to some technical necrophagist rings of Saturn stuff with yeah. a thousand notes a minute. And it's like, Whoa, this is before kind of you even realize Van Halen now, isn't it? Before you even realize you're like, how did I even get here? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that wasn't so like, yeah. if I might share my own little anecdote, I remember getting into rock and roll and then happening just by chance. You know, I remember my dad had all these old records. I distinctly remember as a, as a small child, going through his record collection and seeing sabotage by black Sabbath. And then he bought me this little vinyl player and I hooked it up and just for like an entire year, just going through his collection and listening to all these great records. He had like every Zeppelin, a few deep purples, black Sabbaths stuff like ACDC, things like that. And then, you know, I somehow or another stumbled upon children of Bodom one day. And that was a moment that was the really the leap from, you know, sort of rock and roll to extreme metal. And it was just Mm -hmm. it was like that. It was like nothing. I think I mean, I don't really know too many people that just started in the deep end. You know, I don't know. I don't know someone who was like, well, I was listening to Foghat in the car with my dad or I was listening to Radiohead or I was listening to Kenny G. And the next thing you know, I was listening to Onward to Go Gotha by Incantation. I needed to start in the shallow end and then just walk my way into the yeah. deep end. You yeah, know, like, people have heard, that journey. I... Let's start back on priest, maybe. Yeah, that's definitely. I I love talking about priest because my relationship with that band is is very very. Well, it's not unique, but it's it's just it's very very. Would you say it's personal? Like it's really like it's it's really important to you. I would say it's definitely important, but I feel like that their their impact to me was the opposite of what it would be. I would think for for some people, their impact to me, I think, has gotten greater over time. 
Mm. And maybe Ooh, some bands. You're gonna have to elaborate. I will. Some bands that I feel like th- that I got into around the same time, their impact was greater back then, and it maybe has diminished. Um, Priest, it's it's grown, and I think that a lot of that has to do with maybe lazy narrative or lazy comparison, but because it's it's so common and it happens so much, and it's kind of because they kind of their apexes in popularity initially coincided at the same time and from the same country but priest and maiden you know they're going to be they're going to be like that forever you know, yeah they're course. always going to be even though priest is a generation really before them you know priest had an album out fucking six years before maiden did mm. you know and so but they're all because they're british you know and they they got big around the same time together they'll always be linked together like that mm. but um maiden to me i liked more off the bat like to me, like I, I got, I think when I was between the ages of like uh, 13 to 17, I got four Priest albums. I got British Steel, Stained Class, Painkiller, and Jugulator. And I had a Greatest Hits comp too. And that was kind of, that was it for a while. Maiden, like I loved the Priest that I had. And I was like, cool, this is awesome. You know, up get around to these other records at some point maiden to me was like that was huge for me i'm always probably gonna be maybe a little more of a maiden guy but it's a long game it's a long game especially if you're gonna be a band that's been around for as long as bands like maiden and especially priest have been and maiden from 80 to 88 that's a run they had that i don't think any other band metal can ever really match those records are just impeccable they're right on the nuggets they're they're fucking it's perfection i i I love so many bands so many bands like i hold like really close to me maiden megadeth metallica you know just there's there's bands that i just love those are those are my bands you know but I, i can't think of any of them that really touches the 80 to 88 period of maiden and so that was really impactful to me and that was kind of, I think, because Maiden was much more adventurous than Priest was to me. You know, they had really know, they had. Yeah, because they had they had a much more independent spirit to me, you know, and I think a lot of that's because of Steve Harris. Like they had songs that were just generally longer and they had just there was something about maiden in that era that was it was off the beaten path you could tell that there wasn't there wasn't really i mean say for like a song like run run to the hills but like there was not really an element of the industry you know the sliminess the classic all the tropes and cliches about you know fucking the record business or whatever they really kind of didn't have that not none of that shitty record business stuff seemed to kind of stick to them. And I'm not saying that it did with Priest, but there was an element of Priest. They had more commercial proclivities than Maiden did. You know, they would have songs like Your Heads Are Gonna Roll, which were written by outside writers. And they had records like Turbo, which I don't care fucking how much people like that record. Now I just can't ever get into Turbo. I'm of the generation of people that thought Turbo sucked. And I think I'm just never going to ever be able to shake that. You know, I'll just never be able to come come free from that. Because 
there's dudes in my band that love turbo and like that's just like no i just can't i can't my my brain will never ever <laughs> that's no that's fine that's yeah well cool. the thing is like there's like two different camps of priest fans is that people who love turbo and people who hate it and i don't really feel like there's a middle ground you either really love it or you really don't oh that's oversimplifying there are <laughs> hundreds of groups of priest fans with the entire like permutations of opinions well i'm talking no jugular no, uh, rule no don't get me wrong i'm talking specifically about turbo here like as far sure. like we've we've discussed this before that there is a priest fan of every generation mm-hmm. there are even oh, demolition fans who tim owens <laughs> i can't oh george tell him please dude we did a demolition song and yeah i know i heard trashed it, it. Was, we trashed it, it was, and we explained um, why we thought it was bad and tons of people that, came right? out to defend it i was shocked it's like i did not realize we were going to strike a chord with people and that episode ended up being one of our most listened tim owens even commented on it yeah i don't know how he found us uh fair, not a lot of people are talking about ripper priest you know Fair so enough. that's true yeah i mean <laughs> that, we we yeah. might be like some of the only people who actually are like covering that at this moment yeah and and uh, I, I just want to make it clear not like anyone asked but i do want to put myself on the side of people that, that, that i did not fucking like demolition <laughs> fucking that song, uh, metal, that song metal messiah sucks so bad we're not well <laughs> listen we're not really we're not the biggest bands in putting it very mildly <laughs> but here's here's one thing that i just thought of instead of calling his project kk's priest why didn't you call it like priest ripper or something i don't know like anything but Honestly, KK's priest. I, I, Oh, I mean, not a good name. Not we're a good getting, name. I'm telling you what, the, the longer this goes and the more beer that gets consumed, the longer we're going to get into ramble territory because let's like, do it. Come on, KK, bro. KK's priest. First of all, he's got a, he needs better friends. Someone needs to tell him, yo, yo, Ken, you got to shut the fuck up, dude. Just <laughs> talk, talk too much. I don't know who is interviewing him on such a regular basis that he's got a, a new fucking thing. To for a blabbermouth headline as often as he does i'm just waiting to hear about I, I, honestly i can't even believe he hasn't said anything about the events of the last week yet i'm surprised i haven't seen one kk down in comment about why he hasn't been called to fill in for andy <laughs> sneep who is filling in for glenn tipton you know like i, I can't even isn't it I, I insane just, he hasn't said anything it isn't shocked Dude, I, like honestly, now that and I you think know, to about me, that it, says, I'm surprised yeah. that you haven't sent me an article about it yet from <laughs> Blabbermouth. I hate seeing that shit. I hate the, the thing that the stuff that KK is doing now, as far as like his public persona of just crying in his beer or complaining in his beer or whatever it is he's doing. I just I hate seeing. It's just like, oh man, you fucking quit the. That to sound like Lars and some kind of monster, but you fucking quit the band. He quit the you, band, man. Yeah, like you quit the band. You quit the band. You left the band. Yeah, he does definitely sort of take on this. He's spinning this narrative that he really was like victimized by the band. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't even want to try and. Yeah, that yeah, that brain and trying to figure out why he's doing the things that he do. But I think KK's Priest is a shitty band name, and I think him complaining the way he does as often as he does or has been somehow not this week of all fucking weeks. You know, <laughs> I just I don't enjoy seeing it. It's like 
you, you want your heroes to be your heroes and you want to see them fight to the death, you know, but you don't want to see them fucking fall and then beg for their life from who's about to kill them. You never want to see them cower. <laughs> and that's to me, that's what it's like watching watching KK right now. He's like, he was a fucking warrior. He was the priest forever. He was an original member. And, you know, he's part of like this iconic, fucking beautiful, just guitar tandem that is just going to go down in history of all histories is just pure greatness. And then like, you just, now he's just this, this dude bitching and crying and just like, you hate seeing it. Yeah. Now, and like, like, to me, it's like, he, he doesn't need to have a band called KK's priest. Like, Oh, well now we know what KK Downing it is. You know, we wouldn't want him to be confused with the other fucking 43 KK Downings in the world. <laughs> you know, like you don't fucking need to be KK. You could, you know, you could do like the, the Dio Sabbath thing. You could have fucking called the band. I don't know. Anything. Anything. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like just name it after yourself. It, like any other okay, solo artist. Yeah. Like, called, you could have been Downing, bro. Yeah. Downing. Yes. Downing would have been better. You could have fucking been KK and the Electric Eyes, and that would have been fucking cool. Right made me think of something and i just thought of this for the first time right now if twitter existed in the 1970s and 80s do you think that we would have found out that kk downing is a jerk a lot earlier i feel like that's a legitimate possibility (laughs) the thing is though i don't know that he's a jerk i just think that he made a mistake and he he doesn't know how to outlive it Um, not, not, not not outlive it because he's still alive he doesn't know how to like come to terms with it. Like you, you quit, dude. And from what the story is, it sounds like you fucking sent the dudes that you just spent forty-five years with like a letter, just ripping them to shreds. And now you're gonna cry in your tea or fucking whatever because they don't want you back yes. in the band. Well, well, first of all, they don't fucking need you because Richie Faulkner is tremendous, mm. you know. And Andy Sneap is fucking awesome too. Both of those guys are better than KK Downing at this point. KK Downing's Listen, KK is awesome and he's but he's fucking old. You know, like I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but like he's not the hottest and fastest gun anymore. He's mm-hmm. fucking old. He can't compete with guys like Andy. He can't compete with Andy Sneak. You know, he can't compete with, with Richie. He certainly can't compete with Richie Faulkner. You know, like he just there are not many working musicians, period, who can compete with Richie Faulkner. That guy is a monster on guitar. I'll tell you what, I was really bummed out when KK left because to me, Tipton and Downing, it's like, that's the Dude, deal that, right that, there. That's fucking peanut butter and jelly right there. Exactly. That is like, 
they are the iconic heavy metal guitar duo. And I'm never, ever into iconic pairings breaking up. Just doesn't ever feel right. Doesn't ever sit right. Especially if you're in a band like priest, but so it took me a little bit to kind of even accept the fact that KK wasn't even in the band. But when Firepower came out, I was like, all right. I, I became like a Richie Faulkner guy at that point. Yeah. You know, like I was like, all right, this guy is not only legit, but he's, you know, because Redeemer of Souls, I, I I never, I've heard, I heard the record. I never got, I still haven't gotten around to buying it, but I'm not really sure how integrated he was as far as like the creative process in that band at mm-hmm. that point. But I would imagine he was probably more so by Firepower and, you know, to me, firepower seemed like it had like a little extra oomph, you know, compared to Redeemer Souls. I mean, mm-hmm. fuck, we're rising from ruins, the, oh, the Necromancer. Yes. So many yeah. there's songs on that record where I was like, oh my god, this is just so fucking good. Yeah, so that good. was like the biggest treat of 2018 <laughs> was mm-hmm. firepower coming out, and I will mm-hmm. never forget how blown away I was by that mm-hmm. album. Sitting there, yeah. like, you know. I won't want I hate using the term for like especially when it comes to pre you know, past their prime, but this is a band that they're definitely, you know, like you know, they're older now. They're mm-hmm. 50 years into their career and they come out with this fucking heavy hitting gem. And it's mm-hmm. I was I will never forget that. I was genuinely blown away by firepower. And even listening to it now, almost three years later. I still get that sense of like, holy shit, what a great album. Even now Mm -hmm. that we've had a few years to process it, it stands on its own merits as a great album. I'm still listening to it, man. I'm still enjoying those songs just as much. I think that they're legit. But I will say going back to your point though, Greg, that there is something that is extremely demystifying about kk and seeing like the like sort of low pot shots that he takes at priest it's it's finding out oz is just some dude you know oh man i can't believe you i was just listening to something earlier that made that same analogy that's so funny it's you're looking behind the curtain and you find out oz is just some guy you know and like he's not kk downing isn't the dude fucking arched halfway back with this flying V in the air on the cover of Unleashed and East. He's just some old sad guy right now. And it's a bummer, you know, yeah. I really want to really want to get into some pre stuff and like, really just, I, I don't know. You guys, you guys, this is what you do. This is your show. Yeah, You're going to sure. be talking about uh, a lot of priests for however long you guys are doing this. What are, as long as we are, can, man. Yes. Yeah, sir. What, what are, what are hot button priest things you guys want to talk about? Oh, like, man, I got something. Go there. Yeah, I got something. So you said that out of the first few albums you had, mm-hmm. one of them was jugulator. So mm-hmm. I want to know, what did you think? Like you said, you had four albums. One of them was jugulator. Yeah. And that's, I guess, pretty early to get into that. Because yeah. a lot of priest fans, they didn't hear Jugulator till much later. I didn't hear right. Jugulator until last year. I remember I had really anticipated pretty highly the Jugulator album because there was a promotion that CMC International Records, the label that put out Jugulator here in America, they ran. And this, I mean, you want to talk about dating the era of life that we were in. They had sent out just free ca- singles, cassette singles to record stores 
Sweet. And, and my local record store at the time, they, they had them for months. I don't know how many they had, but anytime someone bought like a metal CD, they were under instruction, well, here, give this to whoever buys it. And mm. So I ended up getting like two or three of these Judas Priest bullet train cassette singles. Oh, okay. I might still have one of them somewhere, but like, I remember it was like pretty heavy. Like I was remember, I remember it was like surprised at the time. I was like, holy shit, this is like, this is pretty aggressive. It's definitely metal, and this new guy sounds great. Definitely has a Halford vibe. Sounds great. And then I remember I bought the record when it came out, and I was like, what the fuck is up with this cover? Like, (laughs) I remember I saw an ad for the record two months before it came out in some metal magazine, and, like, it was the the picture, the full picture of the album. It's actually in the tray of the CD. Like, they were advertising that as the album cover, and then, like, they fucking... Did this horribly pi- pixelated just zoom in it looks like shit i still don't know why they did that but we've me and george have definitely had that conversation before yeah, about the album why they art. did that it, it is bad. it's hard to get metalheads to agree on anything but yeah. i think everyone agrees that full picture should have been the album yeah i don't have a source to verify this but the hearsay that i've heard on like forums and shit is that Walmart did not want to stock the album because they thought it was too brutal. So they had to do the zoom in bullshit on the cover. Terrible. And you know what? And that piggies back into my difference between Maiden and Priest. That shit doesn't happen with Iron Maiden. Right. You know? Yeah, I guess like there is like some tendency, like Priest is maybe a little more willing to like play ball. Yes, that's what it is. They're more and, and you know what? And in hindsight, in retrospect, when I did circle back, like after Priest, I had those few records. And then once I had realized I kind of reached the pinnacle as far as where I was going with the extremity of music, like with metal, I ended up circling back and then just completing like, it's, I, I still don't have every record. I don't have Turbo. I hope to fucking never buy Turbo. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't fucking never do it. It's okay, man. Um, I'm good. I, uh demolition i'll probably never buy demolition you know but yeah basically i ended up kind of backtracking after that and i I ended up really kind of falling more in love with them as an older person because then i became more invested in their discography and i realized how truly special they were especially the stuff in the 70s which is like holy fuck that's a whole other thing man that's what i'm talking about yes but like with jugulator 
I remember it was impressed with the heaviness, but the, the lyrics, the lyrics are fucking terrible. And, <laughs> and that's not on Ripper because he didn't write anything. It was all Glenn Tipton. He did the lyrics. And yeah, we've talked. And I remember that. when I went through the great death metal transition of like 2002 or whatever, I had to start fucking getting rid of some old CDs to to buy new CDs. And Jugulator was one of them that fucking got the axe, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is, you know, just, just was not something that was worthwhile to to keep to me because it just yeah. it just the initial how impressed I was with how heavy and aggressive it was, it it faded really quick because I was like because eventually I was like wow this is fucking heavy this is brutal this is sick, but then it was like well, I never liked Judas Priest because it was heavy or brutal, you know like. <laughs> Like I never, like that's never why I I, I got into them. And then eventually yeah. I was like, well, I don't, I don't listen to Judas Priest to be heavier or well, not not heavy, but like I got not, you, well, yeah, not in a brutal sense, you know. And so then eventually just I just never listened to that record ever again, which yeah. is unfortunate because that was one of those records I sold back to the record store with like kind of like, eh, but fucking I really like that Cathedral Spire song, you know. That's that might actually even be a top five priest jam for me, Cathedral Spires, but I sold it back anyway, and um and then unfortunately because the record is is out of print, I ended up having to buy it back like seventeen years later. I probably paid, I don't know, twenty or twenty one dollars, which is probably eleven more dollars than what I paid for in nineteen ninety eight or whatever. And I, honestly, I still don't really even enjoy it. I bought it just to say I have Cathedral Spires on. Yeah, I mean, you can't even find. I mean, Jugulator's not on Spotify. I mean, it's no, it's not. You can't find it on any official streaming service. It's out no. of print. And you know, there's a this is pretty vocal contingency of. We have a follower on Twitter who that's their favorite priest album is Jugulator. They love that album. And there's a lot of people is that their name really, is Tim Ripper Owens. There are, I, you go on YouTube and you find Jugulator on there, the full album, and people are like, yo, I'd love to see this on Spotify or something. It kind of sucks that they have 18 albums and only 17 are on Spotify. It's like, dude, put the full thing, put the full catalog. Fucking own it, dude. Like, you made I it, own yeah, it. Exactly. I don't like it, that they've they've buried that era of the band and again i hate to do this but it goes go. back to it goes back to maiden and priest bruce dickinson will go on stage and sing blaze bailey songs not a ton of them but, but he will it. go on stage and he will sing two or three blaze bailey songs as part of iron maiden set and they don't bury those records and they they celebrate them doesn't matter that i don't really yeah. care for them it's part of their legacy and they celebrate them and they won't I don't do that like, for no prayer but that's also a fair decision too, to a degree, because at least Bruce Dickinson is saying, "Well, I'd rather play some Blaze Bailey stuff than play anything off that record," which is a shame <laughs> because I do like, I do enjoy Holy Smoke, and I do like Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter and Tail. There's Gunner, also but... um, Mother Russia. Yep, Mother Russia is cool too. That's yeah. a great. That's a fucking sleeper hit from that album. It is. I'll no, it is. to that forever. I like that song. It's cool. But Ray, like, you yeah, hit on something you hit on something before that I wanted to bring up. Like, I remember being 14, like the mid 2000s, 
going to the CD stores back when those were still a thing, back when you could buy CDs in a physical kids, location. Kids, if you don't know what a CD store is, ask your parents. Kids, so. if you don't know what a CD store is, wait till the end of this year because this is going to be the year of the great CD resurgence because vinyl plants are so fucking backed up. CDs are going to resurge this year. They already did last year. Because they already are. Up, but it's, they already are. So I'm telling you, kids, don't just ask your parents about your CDs. Go out and fucking buy them because that's really yeah, dude. the only way you're going to get any physical music for the next year or two because record plants just are jacked the fuck up. So yeah, buy your CDs. I still fucking buy CDs, by the way. I so do too. Cool. I'm gonna. I'm about to get crucified for saying this. Here we go. CDs have better audio quality than vinyls. Fuck. Sorry, you. vinyl nerds. <laughs> I mean, I have a fucking sound production teacher in college who said that. I believe what he said. He knows more than me. <laughs> I am. Um, uh, I think uh, CDs are a perfect format for me. I think it's. I think it makes sense both as far as its compatibility, as far as like it's the size of it, and like as far as like the sound of it. I think everything about it is. I'm just like sounds- really. <laughs> I'm really stubborn about it. I'm just like CDs suck. Vinyl is better. <laughs> well, it they're all both good. I mean, both, but getting yes. back to the story. Yeah. So I remember being like 13 or 14. I would be in one of these record stores seeing friggin' used CDs of Demolition and Jugulator on sale for $2. I'm not joking or exaggerating. These CDs were used on sale for $2 Jesus of Jugulator Christ. and Demolition. Now they're out of print. And you're lucky if you can find a copy on eBay for 30 mm-hmm. bucks. Like, right it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and honestly, that's growing up in the '90s. Used CDs was kind of how I I cashed in and really hit Pater and on a lot of my record collection as far as metals concerned. Don't ever let anyone ever let anyone forget that there was a lot of fucking morons in this world that didn't want to like Judas Priest anymore just because they found out Rob Halford was gay, and because they were so fucking short sighted and small minded, they fucking ditched their CDs. And they yeah, we've talked because, about that too. I and had so, a friend in high school whose father stopped listening to priests. It's like, yeah. all right, asshole, good for you. Like, yeah, I, I was. Listen, the more people want to be dumb like that, I will fucking, I'll take their CDs. I am totally fine with that. Yeah, you don't like priests anymore. More power yeah, exactly. to you, dude. Exactly. I was more than happy to capitalize on used priest CDs because someone just can't hang with Halford. You know, that I'm a okay with that. You know. Fucking yeah, give them to me. Give me your priest CDs. I mean, now don't because then I, I I'm already I already have a CD problem anyway. So don't give <laughs> me your priest CDs. I have basically almost all the ones I would need. But but back then for sure. But back in the nineties, yeah. Give me yes. Don't give me your two CDs. Give me your priest CDs. Nice.
that side of history. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Halford's huge. Halford's huge on that. Yeah, man. Like, I think without his contributions, I mean, the in a lot of different ways, metal would yeah. not be how it wouldn't exist as it does today. And, you know, so thank fucking Satan for Rob Halford, man. And it allowed a generation of people who are much smarter to inhabit uh, or in, inherit the records of idiots. So it's great. Yeah. 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 Uh, Speaking of which, man, nowadays, like you've been saying, you've gone back and you've appreciated Priest more. So mm-hmm. what are your favorite albums and songs as of right now? Um, I think that I would say probably once I started circling back around, to priest to just kind of filling out the discography i probably started doing that in 2008 or 2009 nice so were you hearing things like sad wings and sin after sin at that point well i actually oddly enough i had a cassette copy of a compilation that i bought at a drugstore in the late 90s and it was like select cuts from rockerola and and sad wings so i had I think it was four or five songs off of each on this cassette tape. And so I was familiar with that. And so I, yeah, I did kind of go back to sad wings. Cause if you think about it, that's probably the first record of, of what the pre sound would kind of become is being like actualized rock and roll is something. I mean, there's elements of, you can hear where priest was going where they ended up you can hear it on rock and roll but i wouldn't say that's the best representative of early priest as far as what's relative to what became their their bread and butter i would say records like sad wings sin after sin stained class that's really like the, the gestation period we kind of see where this is where they're they're putting it together and it's mm. going to really kind of fuse itself out into hellbent killing machine and then british steel and then we're at the 80s and then it just kind of all explodes from there but like you know yeah i did go back and got into records like sad wings and sin after sin and you know and then it's basically just from there you know i I finally got records like screaming and defenders and some of them i definitely enjoy better than others but I, i i came to i grew to appreciate the not the commercial proclivities that I wasn't really too fond of when I was a kid, but like I grew to appreciate the, um, well, I guess I did. I guess I did grow to appreciate the commercial proclivities that they had because like they were some fucking catchy songs, you know, take these chains. That's a song I never would have fucking like one song. I never did like until I got older. And I was like, fuck, this is a good song. You know, some heads are going to roll. It's not a song that I really liked when I was 15, but it's a song I like now, you know, yeah, sometimes and, these things take a few years to grow on you. And I think that that's, that's where the that's where Priest is going to end up, again, made in, in Priest. I think that's why Priest is going to win the race because Maiden still puts out good records, good records, but they don't have, I don't know, they're so long now and they're, they're, just, they're just long. And, and they kind of, they're a different some band them, now than they yeah, were they're in the basically, 80s. A very yes, different exactly, band. exactly. And some of the songs and some of the records are so long and laboring that if they if they get any hooks in me at any point, they find a way to to remove them just by the nature of how long a lot of their songs are and stuff like that. And and I think that except for Brave New World, 
I would have tilted the scales toward Maiden from 80 to 2000 as being the band that I think was just better, you know? And, but I think except for brave new world, once Halford came back, I really think uh, priest has been the better of the two bands. They're at the very least, they're the band that I, I, I get more excited to hear their new records. I'm going to buy them both. I'm, can't even oh, buy yeah. but like sure, I, yeah. I like i'm still listening to firepower you know i've already kind of moved on from like the, the maiden record that came out you know like four months ago i'm still listening to firepower and that we're looking at almost four years since that came out so i'm still new priest records still get me stoked but i think that's just mostly because they still make me want to like you know headbang and break shit you know and like in, in maiden records are kind of more like sit back and really analyze it. And, and sometimes I don't want to analyze anything. I just want to have it delivered to me. You know, sometimes yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. to, sometimes I don't want to drive and get the pizza. I want them to drive it to me. And, you know, <laughs> great analogy. Yeah. And, I think and the maiden and, is like going yeah. to an art museum and yeah. I think the priest is like a night at the bar. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that maybe when you're younger, you're, you're more into the, the search and the journey and, and all that stuff. But, I just fucking want to sometimes just not think about it and just, just react. Yeah. And sometimes you you just want to like, you just want to turn your brain off for a little bit. I wouldn't even say that it's turning my brain off. Yeah. Me either. But like analogy, no, it's not a bad analogy. It's, it's, it's not an inappropriate analogy, but like, it's not that I want to turn my brain off, but I, I don't want to have to look beyond. Yeah. What's, what's being held in front of me. Sure. Here we go. I got you. Here we are. This is is rising from ruins. There you go. Oh, great. Fuck. Here's a point that I haven't actually said before as far as I can remember, but think about the 80s Iron Maiden albums, songs like Phantom of the Opera, Hallowed Be Thy Name, uh, Where Eagles Dare, Caught Somewhere in Time. Like a song didn't have to be 12 minutes for it to be epic. Like back then, could take you on an epic journey from A to B to C in seven minutes. And they just yeah. don't do that as much anymore. They are not as concise. They had one from like 80 to 88. They had like one song that was going over 10 minutes. And that was Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And that song was special. Not not just because of the length of it, that's part of it, but it was special because of the length and how epic it was and how fucking perfect it is. And now you get like three or four of those on every Maiden record. And I don't... It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Like when I saw the track listing when they announced a new Maiden record and I saw it was X amount of songs and I saw that the last three songs were like a total, just those three songs was like 35 minutes. And I was like, no. It's like, no. guys, <laughs> yeah, you hear the songs track. and the parchment is like repetitive and it's like three times as long as it has yeah. to be. Yeah. And it doesn't, to, I mean, that, but that's just a matter of personal taste. And I, I just don't, I don't need that anymore. You know, I, I just, I, I really just priest has energy. Priest has vitality, mm. you know? And I think that as of right now, I think they're the better of the two bands, you know, again, I, I, I both good, in, of course. It, yeah, of course. Both great, of course. But I think 
made in 80 to 88 that's that's not anything that can be taught by anyone ever but that's Priest like just... that's like your real lightning in a bottle run yeah. from 80 to mm-hmm. 88 it's like a mm-hmm. slew of what people consider to be like perfect records i mean yeah. it's kind of it's like metallica man you've got what four fucking masterpiece records yeah. in like yeah. the first however like less than 10 years of your career that's lightning in a bottle that's like mm-hmm. it's untouchable that can never be replicated right yeah exactly and that's and, and and that stuff never it never lasts mm. you know it never yeah. lasts because eventually you know you just you have to do something else you have to try something new you know and and so it never lasts but like i think one of the great things about bands that last that long is that eventually like there are these peaks and valleys like one of the great things that makes painkiller great is how they were coming out of a lull you know, in my opinion, they were riding in on the backs of two weaker records, mm. and then Painkiller drops in, and they're like, "Oh, Scott Travis, <laughs> yeah, know, we're gonna we're gonna destroy the world now," you know. <laughs> and like, I think that like some of the the longer you hang around, the peak, the the valleys can accentuate the peaks, you know, and it can it can make you fall in love all over again, yeah. you know, which is yeah. I think you you need that. Like any long-term relationship, you need to, you know, rekindle the the flames. Yeah, you man. Know? And I think Priest has been good at that. You know. Yeah. last time we talked about a song from firepower we said you know i want to call it like the band has a second wind but at this point it's like their fourth or fifth win no it's like, they yeah, like they're three on, or four yeah. comeback albums like, absolutely you, you could maybe even call screaming for vengeance a comeback album because people weren't too crazy about point of entry exactly yeah exactly then you exactly. got painkiller then you got oh yeah. five angel of retribution when halford mm-hmm. came back to the band and now mm-hmm. firepower, it's like, I think peaks and valleys is one of the best ways to describe it. Like you mm-hmm. said, actually, I think the thing that kicked me off uh, going back into priest and, and kind of filling the discographical gaps. I don't think discographical is a word, but it is. Well, now. you know what? It's all words are now. It is yeah. now, dude. Every all words are made up. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Nostradamus to me was just like, I did not enjoy that record. But yeah, I really want. I really snooze. wanted. I yeah, it's, it's, that's the best way to put it. It's a snooze fest. But at that time in my life, I really wanted to enjoy a Priest album, and I bought it. And I was really disappointed at how much I didn't like it. And then I was like, "Well, you know what? Because I because I liked Angel of Retribution as well. I liked Angel of Retribution. I thought that was great. That's another reason why Nostradamus bummed me out because I liked the the comeback record before. I thought it was great." But then when Nostramas came out, I was like, fuck, not, not anything I did. I like one song on it, Lost Love, oddly enough. That's the only song I like on that record. And I remember at that point, I was like, well, fuck, you know, I know they, I know they're a great band and I just don't like this record, but I do want a new Priest record to listen to that I enjoy. And I think after that, I think that might've been when I got Screaming or, or maybe even Sad Wings. 
I don't remember, but it was around that time. I think part of the disappointment of Nostradamus got me to buy more Priest records that I enjoyed much, yeah. much, much better. Well, that's yeah. like the cool thing about Priest is like, even if you're not crazy about like their most recent offering, it's like you've got so much to go back and listen to that you might exactly. love that, you mm-hmm. know, they're a band that, exactly. you know, you've, you're never really going to be bored with them. No, no, there, there's too much material out there. And there's a if you love metal, there's a priest record out there for you that yes that that you'll dig. You might not like all of it. You might not like all their records. I I don't know one. The like biggest said, priest even band demolition has fans. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like but... there's no there are no like there's no perfect priest record. There are only yeah. perfect priest records yeah, for yeah. different people. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. not one single album that pleases everyone, but there are like multiple albums that please lots of people. Yeah, I agree. And there's no band that lasts that long that is just always firing off golden bullets. No, you know, like it, just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like that. Rolling Stones, If I guarantee you the biggest Rolling Stone fan will be able to tell you like, or here's their shitty records, or here's yeah. or here's their records where they kind of lost the plot. And I think the same goes for any Priest fan, you know. Yeah, man, they but, leave that they leave that for the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> I brought that Wayne, those Wayne's World references back around. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's perfect. I thought you'd like that one. I do like that one. That's good. Nice. So, is there any sort of like um like grand like plan like as far as like so like the grand plan as far as this podcast is we want to view we like we want to do an episode for every priest song like their entire discography um in no particular order and then after that you know we also want to do other stuff like you know we want to we gotta we want to cover their live shows side projects you know things like that but the grand plan i suppose is to cover every priest song right you know when we started this we agreed from the beginning okay that's what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. and however long it takes is exactly what it takes this year we're doing a little bit of an experiment so we are aligning our episode schedule with the anniversary of each studio album. So in January, we talked about Defenders of the Faith. In February, we're going to be talking about Stained Class and so on and so forth. And what we're hoping is it'll make our discussions sort of feel timely. And Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know any other podcast that's doing that right now. So it's kind of an experiment, but we'll see how it goes. We're having fun so far. Are you guys going to... You guys going to get into well, you said uh, some of the side projects. You're going to get into like uh, Halford, the band. I think we're going to want to cover the highlights. I don't feel like we have to cover every single song from the yeah. side projects. No, we do want to do like as far as like the side projects go. You got to do Made the- in Hell. Made in Hell. That song fucking rules. The the yeah. second track on Resurrection. That song is like wow, oh, what a great fucking title too. Like what an awesome wor- like play on words yeah. right there. Resurrection yeah, awesome. is sick, and that especially, awesome. especially the live album he did on that tour in Live Insurrection. Yeah. Yes, so two thousand one or two, 
He was Isaac opening Rana, for yeah. Maiden, a fucking yeah. legendary tour. I wish I was old enough to go to that back then. But mm-hmm. dude, he that live album he did, that's like the best thing he's ever done. Like I it's I the best of his solo that. years and like a ton of priest classics, including like stained class that he hasn't played for decades. It's awesome. I think that that era of his career is solely responsible for him winding up back in priest because I really think that that put the heat on the priest camp to to get him back because I I think creatively speaking at that point he was smoking them compared to jugulator and demolition I mean they can't even compare to resurrection and even crucible which I wasn't even crucible was kind of a letdown for me i think just because i love resurrection so much but crucible is better than both ripper priest albums too and i think that that was really the the impetus for for him ending up back in priest because it was just like well we could either let this dude continue we've lost something we've lost something by not having this person in our band anymore and now he is just killing us you know, yeah, I'm like it's, yeah, that point, it's like you're yeah. just, you're you're fucking. That's not even a fucking. That's not even like an even fight, man. It's like a slaughter. No. I mean, Priest had one. the name, and the Priest had the name, and they were probably playing bigger venues than Halford solo. But Halford had the material. You know, he, you know, you get to be a band that big. The the voice losing the voice is a huge fucking deal, and he was the voice of, you know, the soundtracks to lives. You know, you know, and. There he was as a solo artist playing all the songs that people wanted to hear. The priest wasn't playing, uh, putting out records from the kind of music that people wanted to hear him play. The priest wasn't doing. He was the voice. He was the, the focal point and priest at that point. I think they had to make a decision. This yeah. guy's is going to keep burning us alive with his solo band. Or we can just say, listen, let's make this work. had a great question that you just made me think of to sort of tie it back to what we were discussing before. So people often say that Resurrection and Crucible were Halford's audition to get back in Judas Priest. What do you think about the sort of theory that Sermons of the Sinner is K.K. Downing's audition? Oh my God, I love this. Dude, yeah. this is great. I need to. Not all right, just I that. Need to, like, oh, wow. I need to hear your answer for this. This is this is very very recent news. Like, it was announced this week that Priest is cutting down to a four piece band with only one guitarist. Yeah. And some people have the theory that it's sort of a media stunt to let people down and then later get people all excited again when KK comes back. And that sermons of the sinner was his audition to come back. Uh, what well, do you think about that? Well, it definitely sounds like a 
it definitely sounds like a theory that would be out on the internet for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I think that I'm trying to look at it. I'm trying to think of it from, not from my perspective. I'm trying to think of it from the priest perspective. I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And I think it's because I think he needs priests more than priest needs him. Oh, okay. I think priests showed that they were. They needed Halford. They needed Halford. They showed because they showed that they were not fine without Halford. Yeah. They've shown that they're doing all right without KK. And I hate to say that, but that's the reality of things. Firepower rules. Firepower is better than half the albums KK did with the band, to be honest. And well, I say it's not plausible. No, it's, but like, I I mean, anything's possible. Of course, everything is possible. And and is that theory inane? No, I don't think that's a poorly thought theory at all. But I just think that priest has no reason besides just let's bring our guy back. I don't think they have any reason to do it. There's one big reason dollars i don't i don't think that kk being in not being in the band has cost them any money as far as like their attendance or or anything like that like they're still playing it's not like when they lost halford they were playing clubs you know they were playing clubs clubs and theaters with ripper you know maybe theaters at, at at smallest but even so they were playing arenas with halford and then Ripper comes along and they weren't playing arenas, at least not in America. They were playing theaters. They were playing to 1,000, 1,500, maybe 2,000 seaters, you know, which is, you know, that's, that's quite a step back from 15, 20,000 people in arenas. And it's not that, that hasn't happened with the loss of KK Downing. They've still, they've stayed in amphitheaters and arenas. They're back KK. to arenas. You're right. Like I've seen the band three times since Halford reunited. They've all been in arenas. So I think yeah. you're right about that. I don't think they need KK Downing. I think KK Downing definitely needs Judas Priest, though. And that's sad, you know, because he deserves to be there. But he didn't, he shouldn't have fucking left. If he didn't fucking leave, he'd still be there. Yeah. You could I mean, say that the band wouldn't even be around if KK didn't leave, though, because there's all this talk of how his personal relationship with the other band members was really breaking down around that period. They didn't have a good chemistry. Nostradamus wasn't super well-received. It's almost like they went on that whole epitaph tour that was supposed to be their retirement, and then they Mm -hmm. backed out and changed their mind because they found that they had a real chemistry with Richie Faulkner. Yeah, and they found out that they had lost their chemistry with K.K. Downing. Yeah, well, you know, this is we touched on this in another episode. You know, the thing is, George was saying, you know, that KK felt that the performances were getting stale and that energy just wasn't there. But, you know, the thing is, you bring in a guitarist as skillful and energetic as Richie is, who is just nailing this material and perfectly um, embodies the spirit of the band. And now all of a sudden, you know, Priest is like, they're added. The performances are, you know, probably as good, if not better than they've ever been. And I think maybe what was happening is that 
KKK was sort of expecting them to like slowly sort of like get on the path to retirement after that. And now they're, you know, they're, they've shown no indication of stopping anytime soon. And he's kind of like baffled a little bit by that. Probably George likens it to an analogy of like a finalized divorce where what one party starts dating another person and they're just having this huge glow up. And the other one is still like, you know, kind of like wallowing a little bit. Yeah, exactly. People think that like the newer priest records, it's not real priest because there's no KK downing, but maybe if KK didn't retire, those albums wouldn't exist at all. Well, you wouldn't have gotten firepower without that. No, absolutely not. I mean, to me, it's like, well, and whatever people are going to, feel the way they do about that but i'm sure there was someone out there that thought fuck there's no fucking priest without dave holland too i'm sure someone thought that you know? <laughs> you know? yeah, i'm sure they changed they, their they mind were wrong. fucking real as soon as they heard the first <laughs> would, five seconds of painkiller yeah i would really really hope that they did change their mind really quick but i'm sure yeah. there's someone that didn't you know and I'm sure there's people out there that are KK diehards as well, too. And right there yourself. are there. There are people who claim that KK's <clears throat> priest is the real priest now. No. I, no. I don't agree with that by for a minute. I don't entertain that notion. Ripper, to me, will never, ever be the singer that Halford is. He'll always no. be. He'll always be Ripper Owens, the guy named after a Judas Priest song that's fucking sang in Judas Priest. I mean, his story is is charmed and it's obviously become fodder for a Hollywood movie, but like I just don't think that you could ever have Ripper as your singer and then just try and put it on the same pedestal or same level as pretty I mean honestly like that. the thing is and I've had this discussion with people before is that Ripper had some big shoes to fill. You know, that was gonna be a daunting yeah. task no matter who they decided they were going to have on the mic. It was you know, unwin you- unwinnable position for him much like blaze bailey mm. it was they were positioned they were put in in very very tough positions and i think that to replace people like rob halford and bruce dickinson you need to at least be i don't know that you can ever be equal but you need to be closer in stature yeah. to do it Well, yeah because you know i think in certain aspects owens even has i mean granted there's an age difference but i think owens vocal capabilities are probably a little i don't even like using the term better but he has a greater range at this point that halford does but he doesn't have he doesn't have any of the reputation the legacy (laughs) you know reality exactly the charisma and sort of like People don't worship Tim Owens the way that Halford showmanship. That's what I mean. Halford has the showmanship. That's what made him legendary. Halford's the metal God. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Owens is not the metal God. No. You'll see people post these memes on social media of these quotes from Halford. No one's posting social media quotes from Tim Owens. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's It's a reality thing. And I think that Ripper, he is a, at this point, he's probably the stronger of the two vocalists, and his range is probably a little bit bigger, like like what you were saying. But like, I I don't think he is as complete a singer, just just because he has a higher range and more power at this point. A bulletproof singer does that not make you know yeah, like a hundred percent? To my ears, in my opinion, he's a great singer, but he's he's pitchy at times, and I think that he. Halford has more note control. If I can 
if I dare, you know, pale into like nerdy musical analysis, you Do know, it. Like, like I just, I, I just, I, I don't think he has the milk control yeah. of, of Halford at his best. And, you know, I don't know where Halford's at right now. I haven't seen any videos of the last two or anything like that, but I'm sure his range is, you know, come down considerably. He's not, you know, hitting those notes like he used to, but yeah. I think that he's got, he's less pitchy and he's got more note control than Ripper does. Let me tell you, man, I've seen Priest three times, and the most recent time in 2018 was the best. The, really? Yeah, man. And like we said, with them having a third or fourth wind on firepower, mm-hmm. like Halford was part of that. He's screaming like he hasn't yeah. in years. And it's great. I love it. I gotta, I have to bring this up because I absolutely love this performance. There's a video of Halford performing with baby metal and they do painkiller. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Halford, his, he can scream higher than a Japanese girl. It's like he can do that. It's awesome. Like hearing him do painkiller, like they do it, hearing them do that rendition. First of all, the musicians who play for baby metal are unbelievable. Like, I don't know what it is, dude. Japanese guitar players and just musicians in general are on like some transcendent level. They, um, yeah, it's just like a hundred percent commitment right off the bat. And yeah, good. And Good. Halford yes, is man. like he's hitting higher registers than like a Japanese schoolgirl is hitting. It is <laughs> unbelievable. And if you funny. haven't seen that performance, I highly recommend you look, you watch it. Just um, baby metal Judas Priest. Just plug that into YouTube, and you'll it's 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 wonderful. That I showed that video to my wife, and she was like, "Wow." I think Judas Priest is the greatest heavy metal band of all time. <laughs> so transcending of generations. Oh, of and, course. Yeah. And Thanks. races. Cultures. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, my dudes. It's about 1130. We've been chatting a couple hours. I have had an awesome time having you on the show, Greg. So thank you Same, so for coming and shooting the shit with us about Judas Priest and fatal curse all the other shit yeah this was a lot of fun man i definitely we would love to do this again in the future if you're down 
Yeah, I am 100% down. Absolutely. Next time you'll have to come and do a more standard episode where you deep dive a song with us. We'll let you pick whatever you want. Love that. Absolutely. All right. That's the plan, gents. To our listeners, I'm going to recommend check out the Maiden A to Z podcast if you're an Iron Maiden fan. And sometimes Greg is a guest on that show as well. Uh, One episode I found really good was. Uh, when Maiden A to Z covered Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger, which is a less popular tune. And they really That's a very rapped on that song. Point. And yeah. it is hilarious. So I'll recommend that. Uh, Greg, a- anything else you want to plug in the meantime? Yeah, Maiden A to Z podcast. Those guys are great, too. I mean, part of the same deep dive network, I believe. That's correct? Okay. Yeah, they're with yeah. us. I guess uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, once again, uh, cheat plug it. Check out Fatal Curse if you like uh, old heavy metal. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll dig that. And uh, YouTube, Spotify, all the normal yeah, places. All that shit. Shadow Kingdom Records. Yeah, that's nothing to sneeze at, man. Shadow Kingdom is yeah. a label people have heard of, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're awesome. I dig, I dig a lot of the... Uh, even before I was involved in Fatal Curse, I bought shit from them. So it's it's really cool to be a part of that. I'm just happy to be here and uh, talking metal with you know you guys, Priest. I fucking love it. Fuck you know? yeah, man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to hang out and Hell yeah. talk Priest and metal and uh, you know get some uh, publicity for the old band. And uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. I, I would love to do this again sometime. I definitely would love to do uh, uh, one of the more uh, traditional episodes over a song for sure. Absolutely. We'll make, we'll make that happen then. So until next time, dear listeners, stay locked in and keep defending the faith. Hell yeah.
That's a wrap, gentlemen. Excellent. Uh, All right. One more thing Fucking before I go. Yeah. Fucking yeah. awesome deceased shirt right there. I remember oh, yeah, hearing skin crawling progress when I was like oh. 18 or 19, and it blew my mind. They're like the like the dream sequence where a heavy metal band found a slew of death metal records and decided, well, we're gonna try and do this now too. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Deceased. They're yeah, I guess fucking gonna, awesome. I guess I'm gonna have I, to check out Deceased. Oh, absolutely. Uh, check out the Supernatural Addiction album. Okay. Um, I actually I actually opened for them one time at a funeral home too, and that was fucking oh, awesome. Oh, cool. yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, legends, underground legends. They're American uh, underground metal legends. That's really the best. That's that's the best way I could put it. All right, that's all. Well, like that's a, all you had a to heavy, say. A heavy metal band yeah. playing death metal. Oh, okay. Love it. Yeah, yeah. 